ghost of a Nelson Mandela coming to you from beyond the cliff to bring you Nelson Mandela's ghostly podcast. Thanks. So, let's recap. Might as well give you some exposition. Having finally met with the Donkey King, I agreed to use the haunted whistle to free him from the curse that had transformed him into a donkey. Unbeknownst to me, the very purpose of that curse was to turn his hands into hooves, preventing him from ever holding the whistle. And once he was human again, he used telekinesis to steal the whistle, and the rest is history. I was put on trial and found guilty of a plethora of crimes against the king, whom until recently was a donkey. And now, I'm awaiting my execution. Listeners, I want you to know, I am not afraid. I sit here, awaiting my imminent execution, and I am truthfully unafraid. I have already died once. I am not afraid to do it again. But I am afraid for those I leave behind. As I sit here, my thoughts dwell on the good people of the ghostly afterlife who will continue to suffer under the reign of a tyrant and on my friends who will no doubt be persecuted in turn. Hopefully, my second death will inspire others to stand up to tyranny, for as we all know, all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. <sighs> Why didn't the magpie testify at my trial? Where the hell was he? What is he doing now? It's hard to imagine that I've developed such a fondness for that bird, considering how we met. And now... <laughs> That little magpie is my best friend. I'm not angry that he wasn't there. It would just have been nice to say goodbye. So, let me say goodbye to you, my dear listeners. Don't worry, I'll keep recording until the bitter end. But let me take this opportunity to say thank you and goodbye. Thank you, and goodbye. Where the hell is the guard? I wish they'd just come and get me so we could get this over with. Also, I'm hungry. My last meal wasn't particularly sumptuous. It was a simple lentil dal with tomatoes and onions, over-seasoned with a ridiculous amount of Chinese five-spice, served in a small, moldy wooden bowl. Hmm. 
You know, that reminds me of an interesting night I had a long time ago. Would you like to hear the story? Excellent. I'd rather not sit here bored. And what better way is there to pass the time than with a story? This story begins in a 1961. On the instructions of the ANC, I went underground. At this stage, it was decided that I should attend the conference of the Pan-African Freedom Movement for Central, East and Southern Africa, which was to be held early in 1962 in Addis Ababa. Because of our need for preparation, it was also decided that, after the conference, I would undertake a tour of the African states with a view to obtaining facilities for the training of soldiers and that I would also solicit scholarships for the higher education of matriculated Africans. It was on this note that I left South Africa to proceed to Addis Ababa as a delegate of the ANC. My tour was a success. Wherever I went, I met sympathy for our cause and promises of help. All Africa was united against the stand of a white South Africa. And even in London, I was received with great sympathy by political leaders. I spent many months in hiding across many different secret locations, utilizing a wide variety of disguises. On one occasion, I posed as a caretaker. On another, I posed as a houseboy, and on more than one occasion, I disguised myself as a lampshade. After several weeks on the road, I had taken the name of a David Motsamai, the name of one of my former clients, and used my pseudonym to evade capture by apartheid forces. Of course, in a 1963, at the start of the Ravonia trial, one of the many documents produced by the prosecution, which totaled 173, was a passport made out in the name of David Motsamai. Now, I had to use the name David Motsamai not only because he was a former client, but because of the man he was. David Motsamai was born on the 18th of July, 1910. He was a successful Soweto businessman, affectionately known by his friends as Umde. He lived in Durb, Soweto, and he owned a European liquor store. And it must be remembered, my friends, that under apartheid laws, black people were prohibited from owning such businesses, and I admired Umde for his audacity, as well as for a mutual love of boxing and shrimp. Some years previous, Umde had built a secret bunker which he predominantly used to hide liquor from authorities and, at other times, to use as a hideout for political renegades such as myself. The bunker itself was built by one of Umde's friends, an Italian by the name of Silvanio Pisapatia, and to this day the bunker still exists. It was here I stopped, while en route to attend the conference 
of the Pan-African Freedom Movement for East, Central and Southern Africa, the forerunner of the Organization of African Unity, OAU, in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. In fact, I was under orders from the ANC and the Umkonto Wesezwe High Command to travel the continent to arrange political and economic support for the newly founded military wing. On my final night at the bunker, I was sat at my desk reading a report on the strategic movement of the stars, when suddenly I caught a whiff of a pickled onion potato chips. I rose from my desk, haunted by the deliciously tangy aroma, and stumbled out of the bunker like a zombie. Never before or since have I desired potato chips as much as I did in that moment, and without a care in the world, I walked into the jungle. I followed my nose, sniffing sharply to guide my steps, and as the smell grew stronger and stronger, I felt my pulse quicken as blood coursed through my veins. I came upon a clearing where I found a very nervous-looking octopus. He was a purple, horrendously slimy, and covered in German measles, and was sat furiously rubbing Chinese five-spice into his swollen anus. As I said, he was visibly nervous and had a shifty look in his eyes. Uh, hello, I said. <coughs> the octopus jumped in surprise, throwing his little tub of Chinese five-spice into the air, creating a cloud of spice that temporarily blinded me. Uh, I'm blind! I'm blind! Temporarily blind! The octopus reached out with one of his slimy tentacles and smeared them across my eyes, wiping away the Chinese fire spice. <sighs> Thank you. You're welcome. You, uh, look a little nervous. Is everything okay? I am nervous. Then what's wrong exactly? It's because of that fish. He keeps trying to touch me. Sweet Ambrosius, a flying fish, I thought to myself. I stood there for a moment, quietly observing it, a fish out of water, swimming through the air like a majestic hummingbird, occasionally sauntering close to the octopus and gently caressing it with his fin. And although more often than not, the fish was unsuccessful, having been swept away fiercely by the octopus's slimy purple tentacle. The fish seemed to be enjoying the challenge and was spurred on all the more. Suddenly, the octopus levitated from the floor like a slimy hot air balloon. What the hell is it with you sea creatures floating in the air? I asked. What are you doing out of water? And why the hell can you talk? The octopus floated towards me and extended its long, slimy purple tentacles around me, gripping me with its suction cups, pressing them to my face like sweet kisses. It stayed there for a moment, 
a mere few inches from my face, slowly hovering, and met my gaze. My name is Fabian, and I have lived in this jungle my whole life. How is that even possible? Do not concern yourself with the scientific explanation of my being. Simply know that I am alive and in terrible pain. Is that why you were rubbing Chinese five spice into your anus? No, it was recreational, not medicinal. Oh, then what's wrong exactly? I am haunted by my own existential solitude. And rubbing Chinese five spice into your anus helps with that? No! Jesus. Let me tell you, my friends, it's hard enough to find consensus with other human beings, let alone find common ground with a talking, floating, land-dwelling octopus who suffers from severe anxiety. But as the octopus cowered in fear, I took pity on him. I slowly reached for the harpoon gun in my duffel bag, so not to alert the suspicions of the fish which was understandably distracted by the octopus's slow and seductive tentacle movements. Hypnotized, you might say. Like a ninja assassin, I tore the harpoon gun from the duffel bag in a swift and singular movement and took aim in front of the fish's flight path, when suddenly I realized I was standing on a wasp's nest. Ah! Oh my god! What have I done? I stood motionless, being repeatedly stung by the wasps. As I stared at the now-dead octopus, the harpoon impaled between his eyes. Its slimy tentacles fell limp. It let out a slow exhale from its anus, and it was nervous no more. I walked over to the dead octopus and pulled the harpoon from its head and it fell to the floor in a crumpled pile of bloody tentacles. The pervert fish let out a girlish shriek in delight, and began to poke at the wound in the octopus's head with its fin. As I looked on in bewilderment, the wasps continuing to sting me in my face, neck, torso, arms, legs, and genitals. What was I to do? I had accidentally killed this sweet, nervous octopus. Was I to let the fish defile his body according to his perverse whims? I reloaded the harpoon gun and took aim once more. The fish darted into the night like a slippery, wet silk petticoat dancing in the wind and I found myself alone with the octopus. I sat under the stars and ate my seafood buffet, crying tears of remorse with each bite. The chewy meat of his asshole was riddled with spice and brought a tear to my eye as I attempted to chew it. Oh, <laughs> oh, spicy. 
I looked back at the dismembered remnants of the octopus's corpse and suddenly noticed a pouch in his torso. What the hell? As far as I was aware at the time, octopuses did not have pouches, and yet here it was. I briefly considered the possibility that I had been mistaken all along, and that I had in fact been dealing with a kangaroo. Hmm, no, I thought to myself. This was definitely an octopus. I mean, the tentacles were a pretty strong indicator, and although I couldn't be sure, I felt safe in my assumptions. Like a moth to a flame, I slowly reached out with my hand. I was in a trance, the source of this sweet aroma calling me closer, the nexus of this sweet and savory pickled onion flavoring calling me like a siren song. As my fingers caressed the lid of the pouch, I felt my mouth watering behind dry lips, and without a moment's hesitation, I plunged my hand in. I slowly pulled out my hand, a clenched fist covered in foul, putrid, wet slime. Delicious! I held my hand in front of me, afraid to open my clenched fist for what I might find inside. Whatever it was, it was small and sharp, its corners poking at the soft, tender flesh of my hand. Ah! After what I estimate was likely three hours and a forty-seven minutes of intense staring, nervous contemplation, and feverish shivering, which culminated in a whimsical degringolade that was unlike anything I had ever experienced, I opened my hand. Oh, my God! Friends, I didn't see you there. It's a me, Nelson Mandela. My root vegetable collection is grand and immense. Nelson.
If you are enjoying these podcastings, then please follow the following steps. 1. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review and help us to reach new listeners. This really helps us out. 2. Head on over to www.nelsonmandelasghostlypodcastings.com That's www.nelsonmandelasghostlypodcastings.com Once more, in the style of Elvis Presley, www.nelsonmandelasghostlypodcastings.com Oh-ho-ho! From here, you can check out our store. Whilst you're there, why don't you check out our wares? They include a mug, a t-shirt, a hooded top, a baseball top, and cases for your phone. 3. If you are a podcaster and are looking for an editor, then why not contact us at Neil Jackson? Freelance editor at gmail.com. That's Neil Jackson, freelance editor at gmail.com. Four, stop what you're doing right now. I mean it, stop it. Okay, stand up. Find the nearest door. Yes, that one. Okay, run outside. Watch out for the intern, she's carrying coffee. Okay, you're almost there. Right, now repeat after me. Everyone, you need to go on the podcast app of your choice. Hit the search button and type in Nelson Mandela's Ghostly Podcastings. Hit subscribe. Okay, now go about your business. Not you, I still need you. But you don't need to keep repeating what I'm saying. I said stop, damn it. Bloody parrot. Five. Run a Google search of a tattoo parlors in your local town or city. Book an appointment for the next available slot. As soon as you're able to, get a Nelson Mandela's ghostly podcastings tattooed onto a part of your body. Show it to everyone you meet. Disclaimer, if the part of the body that you've chosen to get tattooed is your genitals, be very selective who you show it to. You should avoid showing the elderly, the infirm, women, children, animals with a nervous disposition, members of the royal family, members of a parliament, police, the clergy, and anyone else that may object to being shown your genitals. 7. Email us at nelsonsghostlypodcastings at gmail.com Attach the picture of your tattoo as we'd like to see it wherever it is. 8. Go home and rethink your life. And finally, treat yourself to a little special something. Whoever you are, Wherever you are, you deserve it. I stared at my open palm and what lay in it with utter bewilderment. 
I saw a tiny version of myself stood in my hand, clutching his sharp stick. What the hell? I said aloud, as my tiny doppelganger furrowed his brow and thrust the sharp stick into my hand. Ow! You little bastard! Tiny Nelson leapt from my hands and ran into the jungle, his tiny naked bottom glinting in the moonlight. I clutched at my wounded hand and felt the blood pulsing in my hand, beating time with the pulse in the vein in my forehead. I felt dizzy and collapsed. I woke up in the jungle several hours later, covered in sweat, boiling hot, even in the shade of the jungle canopy. Jesus, I thought to myself. I felt rough, my friends. I was on the worst come down of my life, and I quickly realized that the octopus's flesh must have been a powerful hallucinogenic that sent me on one hell of a trip. It was even worse than the time I got to Asahold at a conference in Marrakesh. I was walking down the street, completely asshole, at 2am, singing at the top of my lungs. No, 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 dude looks like a lady. No, no, dude looks like a lady. I tried to hold my hands up to my mouth. Believe me, I tried. But my projectile vomit rushed through the gaps in my fingers like a typhoon. My friends, I was lying in a pool of my own vomit. My trousers were covered in urine, which may or may not have been mine. And I was feeling very sorry for myself. I remember thinking, if I can just close my eyes tight enough, I could stop the world from spinning. I placed myself in the recovery position and fell into a deep, dreamless sleep. was rudely woken, not by the hustle and bustle of the busy city as passers-by went about their business, but by a pack of street dogs who had come to feast on the delicious meaty chunks in my vomit. Urgh, get away, you beasts! The majority of the pack ran away, save for one, the runt of the litter. The papa gave me a sloppy wet kiss. Urgh, and his breath reeked of my vomit. He seemed to smile at me before giving me a cheeky hoof and running into the crowd. I lay there for a moment in the baking sun. Where the hell am I? Oh, Marrakesh! Marrakesh!
So, my friends, with that in mind, always remember that... Get up! It's time! All right, then. Here we go, listeners. Put this on! Oh, great. A black bag. to me. Have you got one? Uh, no. Yes, you have. Give it over. Uh. I dreamed that I would be more than a prisoner in my own mind. Uh, that's nice. Here. Come and taste me, come. Uh. Uh, you such a bastard! Come back! Please taste it. Good lord! Hello, holy flatland. Father, what are you doing here? Oh, just hanging around mostly. <laughs> Father, we're in the hangman's noose for God's sake. Must you make jokes like that? My boy, there is little else we can do. Why are you here? It's my punishment for speaking out at your trial. Oh, I'm sorry. No, my boy, you have nothing to be sorry for. I... Go on. I want to say something. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I don't expect you to forgive me, but I'm sorry. The king promised to return me back to the world of the living once he had his hands on the haunted whistle. Back to before I ever went to the right-hand house. Why in blazes is that important? Because no boy should ever have to protect his family from his own dead father. If I could undo that, then none of this would have ever happened, and I'd be free of my terrible guilt. Father, I am a product of time and circumstance. I am the man you made me, and not just during your undead rampage, but through the lessons you taught me as a child. I guess things didn't turn out like I planned. No. The king betrayed me. Ah, no. I swear I had good intentions, my boy. I wanted to... You wanted to meddle with time. Yes. Father, I've learned myself that time travel is not a simple matter. I know. Father, I forgive you. But you are a fool for what you've done. I know, I know. Time is a harsh mistress. Not some cheap whore you can have your way with. I mean... Maybe you should have focused your efforts on the present instead of focusing them on the past at the expense of the present. You're right, my boy. Then let this be a lesson to us both. No more time travel. Agreed. 
and let us focus on the present and the future. I don't think we have much of a future to look forward to. I... some last words. Then speak! When a man is denied the right to live the life he believes in, he has no choice but to become an outlaw. But what about you? All of you! Will you look back on today and be proud of your actions? Or will you be ashamed? In the words of Martin Nimoyler, first they came for the communists. And I did not speak out, because I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialists. And I did not speak out, because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I did not speak out, because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I did not speak out, because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. Today they have come for Nelson Mandela. Do not wait for them to come for you too. Hmm. Begin the execution. I'm so very proud of you, Holy Sasha. Thank you.